Good morning and welcome in everybody. Today we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture from the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. To begin with, let's talk about the process of restoration before restoration can ever take place. Genuine and sincere contrition must first happen in somebody's life. In the church, the refusal to repent and to seek reconciliation with those whom you have wronged brings a heavy punishment with God because it's a damnable offense. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in a church pew or not. It's an unforgivable sin in that state because God will not forgive those who uh, refuse to repent. Although people try to hide their sins from others around them, nothing is hidden from God. Godly sorrow must be present in the heart of somebody who is seeking forgiveness, either with God or with others. If someone truly possesses divine charity, it will cause them to immediately apologize for any wrongs committed. Many people in the world think that if you ignore something long enough, that it will eventually go away. But this is very different from the teachings of Scripture. Sin must be taken care of immediately, because today is a day of salvation. Revelation 2 verse 16 says, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. When people wrong others and refuse to do anything about it, their heart starts getting cold. I mean, each hour that passes, the more love is depleted from their heart. Take, for example, the life of the Apostle Peter. When the Apostle Peter denied the Lord Jesus three times, he was immediately convicted in his heart and wept bitterly for what he had done. Shortly thereafter, he was completely restored by the Lord Jesus. Jesus already had seen Peter's godly sorrow because he sees everything, of course. Because of his true contrition, Jesus completely forgave him and restored him to apostleship. Many people who profess Christianity really don't possess these qualities at all, and it certainly will get worse right up until the day of the Lord Jesus when he returns. They lack any type of genuine remorse. You know, it's the devils who won't cry, being incapable of sorrow because of their own arrogance. Their conscience is completely fried, refusing to feel sorrow for what they've done. After all, that's what happens when you burn your fingers deep enough. They become numb to all feelings. If they were to admit fault, then the wall of lies that surround their lives would come crashing down all around them. Like I've always said, sin is very deceitful because it causes one to believe a lie rather than accepting the truth. There is going to be numerous people who sin and could care less about those that they have hurt. Unlike Peter, they are in a different place with God, residing in the ranks of the impenitent. This is why reconciliation was to be diligently sought after in the church. Contrition, confession, and forgiveness needed to happen so that restoration between parties could take place. As a proof of their love, they're supposed to partake of Holy Communion together and wash their sins away. But nowadays, some people are so hard-hearted that instead of obeying God's call to reconciliation, they'd rather leave the church and join another, just to avoid having to apologize to others. 
And 15 years ago, we distributed a flyer that I wrote about the same matter. People become so filled with pride that instead of apologizing, they go have communion somewhere else. And this is complete wickedness and a prime example of the flesh. There are going to be people who drink communion unto damnation. Scripture's clear on that. They will refuse to examine themselves. They will refuse to repent of sin. They will refuse to apologize. They will refuse to reconcile with others. They will refuse to accept fault. This is a pure example of outward religion. It's the same thing that many religious leaders of Jesus' day were filled up with. The city of Capernaum was lifted up in spiritual pride, but the Lord warned them that they would be thrust down to hell. The same people are sitting in many church bodies today, blinded by their own sins and their own self-righteousness. Some people in the Christian life sin willfully against the knowledge of God. It's done purposefully and intentionally in an act of rebellion against the teachings of Christ. I guarantee you that you never want to go there because if somebody gets to that point in their life, there's nothing but eternal punishment that awaits them. Remember that when Peter sinned against the Lord, it wasn't intentional. It was because of a weakness in his flesh. He loved the Lord dearly. Judas sinned willfully and intentionally. There's a great difference between the two types of sin. I mean, one can be restored, while the other can't. I'm sure many people might cry about wrong things that they've done, but like Judas or Esau, they simply cannot find a place of repentance with God. God certainly does not forgive everybody, and that's why there's a place called hell. It is an everlasting place of damnation. For those who have rejected contrition and confession and reconciliation, these are people who take the precious gift of God's grace and then throw it out the window because of willful disobedience. And in that state, they are beyond the place of restoration. You can tell somebody who's overtaken in a fault because they're completely engulfed in sorrow. Once again, this is how Peter felt. Many people will cry when they get hurt. Uh, many people will cry when they don't get what they want. Many people will cry at a funeral. But true contrition is weeping about the sin that you've committed against others. It is to be consumed with self-reproach. Many years ago, I attended a gathering where there were over, I don't know, 150 men who were crying and weeping. And they, they were gathered together in tears, seeking mercy from God and from each other. In the world, they have a saying, real men don't cry. Maybe that's because they've never known a true man of God, such as King David or the king of Nineveh. As a wife brings a child into this world through tears, the new person inside of us is birthed through tears of confession and contrition towards God. Before God forgives, true godly sorrow is required. James 4 verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 
To be restored in your relationships with God or with others, it requires a process. It begins through contrition and humility, confessing your faults, not only to God, but to those whom you've wronged. The humble publican was visibly shaken in the scriptures because of his own sins. A woman washed Jesus' feet with her own tears and dried them with her hair, visibly shaken because of her own sinfulness. When Peter denied Christ, he wept bitterly and was visibly shaken uh, because of his own sin. Relationships can be restored and sin can be overcome, but this will only happen when godly sorrow appears and the heart is overtaken. So let's think about these things for right now. We can be found on your web browser by searching TLKJBC, where you can find our diaries distributed through various platforms. We're not associated nor affiliated with any other religious groups. And you can get our entire podcast feeds directly along with transcripts at TLKJBC.com. Or I suppose that you could find us somewhere up here in the great northern Minnesota woods. Peace to you all. Lord willing, we'll talk with you some more tomorrow. Till then, bye-bye, everybody.